Now for a look at the day's market moves, we're joined by Stephen Schultz from Momentum. Thank you so much for your time, Stephen. We had started to see that pullback in global markets from yesterday afternoon already, and it's actually extended to today, and we see that negative sentiment also filtering through to the JSC. What's making global markets so nervous? Yeah, so 24 hours ago, I would have been very confident in saying it was mainly a result of U.S. job numbers and expectations around that. But the truth is, I think 24 hours is the last time when it comes to politics. And it is a firm focus on our presidency, um, Cyril Ramaphosa, and suggestions of him yesterday obviously um, stepping down. We saw an enormous blowout in volatility on on domestic markets, um, whether it was the South African government bonds, uh, the South African rand, of course, or financials and insurance. And today we're seeing a little bit of a reversal of that, fortunately. Um, with a nice rally on the South African Rand from close on 18 to around 1735, um, which, which is actually a, a nice event. Uh, Stephen, you talk about that turnaround that we are seeing in the Rand and the financials, quite remarkable actually from where we came from yesterday. Is that just uh, markets, investors just taking a breather and kind of trying to assess the situation before the president comes out? I think that's exactly what it is. There's very little certainty as to what to expect. Um, all we're privy to now is, is rumours, really. Um, but I think a large part of the, the market rumour yesterday was that a step down was imminent. Um, market hates uncertainty, and therefore we saw the volatility on the rand to the negative. But it seems the headlines have changed, and now the suggestion is that potentially there's, there's a fight back um, and that we may uh, retain Soramaposa as a president. And the market is definitely cheering that, um, which is yeah. why we're seeing such, such strength come through. Uh, Stephen, just uh, talking about the influence of politics on our local markets, Sprite comes out today and says that they're no longer listing the premier business, uh, citing um, what they've seen over the last 48 hours. What do you think of this new development? Yeah, it, it does feel a little bit suspicious that, that they had that on hand. I mean, that's an exceptionally quick call to make in, in the midst of chaos. Yeah. Um, I don't know how genuine the excitement was, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't personally know anyone that was waiting for, for the listing. Um, but I do think that it is probably the more conservative thing to, to do at this point. Yesterday's volatility was really the highest we've seen since late 2015 when, when Nene left as finance minister. Yeah. So possibly not a great market to be launching companies in. Uh, all right. No, I completely get that. But also quite interesting that you also say that um, you hadn't really heard of anyone that was uh, interested. I don't know. Um, I felt like there was kind of a split on that. But talking about food producers, uh, Tiger Brands uh, released their annual results today. Um, when I looked at the numbers, I was quite excited because you saw 10% growth in revenue and 51% growth in headline earnings per share. But then you kind of uh, draw through the numbers and you see that there's also the effect of a low base from the prior period. What did you take out of Ti Tiger Brands' numbers today? Yeah, I think I, think I actually agree with that. Um, very nice revenue growth. So we saw a, a chunky increase, more than 50%. Sorry, revenue 10 and headlines 50. Yeah. But I think what was maybe my sobering factor in the results was the fact that sales were effectively flat. Um, so really what we're seeing is a bit of margin recovery come through, um, some cost savings, which, yep, I don't know whether those are sustainable, although encouraged and welcomed, and then some supply chain efficiencies coming through. Um, it's had a remarkable run. It's up around a third over six months. 
But remember, it's still a company that's half the size of what it was just five years ago. Um, yeah. Not tremendously cheap, but I think just benefiting from the recovery story. So if, if one does want to consider it, you need to take a very positive view on, on South Africa continuing to recover. Yeah. Stephen, you talk about that margin recovery, and of course part of that is um, their ability to be able to pass on those high input costs that they are dealing with to uh, the consumer. And you look at that revenue growth, and they actually say that that 10% was largely because of price inflation of 11% because they actually had a slight volume decline of 1%. So do you think that that tells us a story of a constrained consumer? And I'm wondering what you think now of their ability going forward to be able to pass on those costs. Definitely. Um, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great observation. Um, but it isn't a new one, I don't think, for South Africans. I think the South African consumer has been under pressure for some time. Um, and those headwinds take many forms, whether it's load shedding, uh, the aftermath of COVID and, and the hangover there. Um, but I think the positive, if we, if we can be a bit optimistic, is that I think that inflation will be over, but, but certainly in South Africa may have peaked. Um, and we should start to see some of those pressures being alleviated. Yeah. Whether that translates into a more optimistic spending consumer, we're yet to see. Um, but I don't think the pain lies ahead of us. Yeah. Stephen, um, I'm not sure how closely you're watching this. So on the oil front, we did have sometime in June, July, uh, the G7 uh, basically saying that they will um, institute an outright ban of Russian oil and that will be implemented on the 5th of December. And that's on Monday. But of course, then uh, from what I'm getting is that they decided, you know what, an outright ban is going to cause too much volatility at this point. So let's just institute a price cap. But now they've been discussing that over, I think, the, the past week. And in fact, they even suggested a price cap of $62 a barrel. And then um, Lithuania, Estonia and Poland actually said that that's too high and it won't cause a dent. Are you looking at that situation in any way? And do you maybe think that we could see further volatility in the oil price moving forward? Yeah, so it is an exceptionally interesting one. Um, it's subject to a lot of conversation at the moment. And I suppose it, it also boils down to the principle versus what you can actually implement. So the, the academic argument for capping price around $60 makes perfect sense and, and certainly has political merit. But I suppose the devil's in the detail in how you actually implement that price cap um, and avoid um, oil coming onto market, bearing in mind that much of Russian oil today ends up in Asia, India, etc. So I don't think Europe is a, is a big customer, nor I don't think Russians have uh, a, a high hope of selling through to Europe anytime soon. Um, and then I suppose what for me is the larger factor that's influencing oil markets at present is OPEC meeting um, over the weekend. Mm. We're seeing a bit of a tug of war between Chinese growth um, and demand coming through, uh, which is mixed messages depending on, on the time of day and the COVID policy and, and politicians speaking. And then we've got a soft understanding that OPEC will be throttling, will continue to throttle supply um, and remove supply from the market to balance out. So we've seen a phenomenal recovery on the oil price. It's up about 10% over the past month. Yeah. Uh, recovering earlier losses.
Uh, all right. Yeah, we will be keeping a very close eye on that one, on that OPEC meeting, and also what the G7 decides to do with that price cap. And actually, if it will actually cause some sort of a dent, as you said, China and India are the majority of the customers. And they've actually said, uh, particularly India, that they will buy oil from anywhere. Uh, Stephen, let's get to your stock pick for today. My stock pick today is actually related in that it is Sassel. Um, I think decent operating performance and a higher US dollar Brent price has really resulted in, in robust performance of late. However, I think what's spooking the market a little bit is some of the forward guidance and operational issues, um, most, most notably Secunda, um, due to stoppages and, and the ever-problematic um, transnet. It's caused a little bit of a short-term sell-off and pressure on the stock price, but I think even if one takes a conservative view and discounts forecasts quite generously going forward, um, there's still decent upside in, in Sassel, in my opinion. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you very much, Stephen, and also for clearing that up because we did have Sassel yesterday saying that they expect their earnings to be up by over a fifth, but then the market's reacting pretty negatively to that update, of course, as they talk about those operational challenges. Stephen Schultz from Momentum.